Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Social Action Briefing Podcast. I'm Martina Stevenson, the social work student and intern. And today I'm continuing to honor women's history. And in doing that, I am joined by a special guest today, and her name is Vanessa Farrell. Good morning. We're actually recording this this morning. If you hear me say good morning, hi, Ms. Farrell. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me, Martina. Thank you for joining us. And um, I wanted to just start off and just letting the you know audience get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, who are you? What are you doing? And I actually I want to take the time also to honor you for the great work that you're doing um, with women, specifically women's health. When we're talking about heart health. So that's what we'll be discussing today. And I just wanted, you know, let's take this time to get to know you a little bit. Yes. Well, as you said, my name is Vanessa, Vanessa Farrell, and I am currently living in the U.S. Virgin Islands on St. Croix, to be exact. And, um, you know, by way of schooling, I went to CUNY. I am a graduate of Brooklyn College, uh, both uh, the undergraduate in health and nutrition sciences, as well as I hold a master's of public health with a concentration on community health. Um, right after my graduate degree, I went to work for the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia, as a public health prevention service specialist. Um, and I did that for three years. It was a three-year fellowship. And I worked at the, um, the headquarters for one year. And then I had a duty station assignment in Philadelphia. And I worked in Philadelphia for quite some time in their health department. And then I moved on to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And then I'm back <laughs> here in St. Croix. Um, I started out here when I came back as the Territorial Director for Communicable Health. And I left that position. And now I am doing my health and wellness coaching at VI Health and Wellness Coaching on a full-time basis. Awesome. Wow. You're a busy woman. <laughs> and and honestly, when we think about women in history, we, you know, we're talking about women's history, we're, we're multitaskers and we accomplish so much. And that's why I thought today this would be a great conversation to have with you and honoring you with the work you're currently doing. Um, so obviously with your roles, you definitely speak of the just the amazing women in history today. Um, so I thank you. And so on that note, like who inspired you um, with, I guess, with the work that you're doing today? And you know, what led you to this role of health coaching? Yeah, so I've always had an interest in public health. And um, I started my public health work in Brooklyn, New York, at the Caribbean Women's Health Association. And I was, um, you know, enveloped by very dynamic, strong women like Lorna Fearweather and Yvonne Graham. And, you know, they were doing so much work for the women in Brooklyn, as well as throughout the um, throughout the New York area. And I knew that was that was a step that I wanted to um, follow in or emulate. And that's what really empowered me to pursue a master's degree in public health. Um, but the work that I'm doing right now in terms of health coaching, it kind of happened out of the blue or kind of happened without me orchestrating it. I went to a conference and it's the so Sophie conference and those in public health will be aware of what Sophie is like, the Society of Public Health Educators. And um, there was this lady there who was talking about the role of um, health coaching in the public health space. And I had no idea. I had never really heard about health coaching. But as she talked about it, I said to myself, oh, my God, that sounds really, really interesting. 
And the work that I do as a health educator squarely aligns with that, um, you know, how she described it. So I went back from the conference and I was all hype. And they talked about a training um, that they offer at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. And I immediately signed up for the training and I went and I got the training. Then it was a year of like practicum where you had to do like coaching and submit your notes and do a test. So I went through that and then you know, I had my regular nine to five, so it kind of stopped and I didn't really pursue it anymore. But when I transitioned from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to St. Croix, I was in the process of looking for uh, work and I had to do like a test at the entity that I applied for. And um, I didn't get the job, but I did follow up to find out, you know, why, not why didn't I get the job, but are there things that you can tell me so that I can be a better interviewer for future jobs? And she said, you know, you are a great interviewer. And she shared my results with me. She said, you know what? You really should think about health coaching. Wow. And and um, in the, the results that she returned to me from the test that I took, it said that I had a strong affinity towards health coaching. And I had done the training several years before. So I just started to apply myself and uh, I moved to St. Croix after that job didn't work out. It was, was in Florida that I was looking at the job. So something opened up in St. Croix and I moved here. When I moved here, it was just before the hurricane, Hurricane um, Maria in 2017. Oh. And it was such a stressful event and I was in charge of the territory communicable diseases. So I was embedded with so much stresses. And I found myself like having these horrible headaches and I was just not feeling myself. And, you know, the first thing people will say, like, did you check your pressure? So I checked my pressure and it was ridiculous. It was out of control and it was consistent day after day. My pressure was high. So I finally went to the doctor and the doctor, she was like, you need to, she, she said, you need to like slow down, take some time, take some rest. And she said, you'll have to get on medication because it's way too high. So she gave me the medication and I did not want to start it because you heard the rumors about being on medication. You'll be on for a lifetime. And I said, you know, I said to myself, Vanessa, as a health educator, for someone who study health and nutrition sciences, you know what you need to do to take care of your health. So I started to think about what can I do to take care of my health? And I know as a public health leader, as a leader in any organization, you get so bugged down with your work and taking care of others that you put your health on the back burner. And that's exactly what was happening. I was not taking the time to prioritize my self-care, to do the lifestyle changes that I needed to manage my blood pressure. So I walked away from the job. I walked away from the job that was supposed to be my dream job, all in the name of taking care of myself. And I decided okay, I left this job. I'm going to start a health and wellness coaching business, specifically focusing on women and especially women in leadership roles. And the goal of my business was really to encourage women to prioritize and to protect their heart health and to do so without apology. And the one thing that I stress is that women who are hypertensive or prehypertensive that they take their blood pressure every single day and write it down. So that's what led me to this business. It's not only um, my education that led me there, but my personal experience right. with high blood pressure. Right. And and that definitely speaks volumes in terms of, you know, you can relate to the clients that mm -hmm. you're serving and what a better educator than, you know, the person who have the actual experience of these clients. So I, I, I definitely hear you. I understand. 
And um, I, I'm sorry that had to been your, you know, unfortunate wake up call because that's what it sounded like. Oh, mm -hmm. I, I have this awakening because mm -hmm. of the situation mm -hmm. and I need to do something, which is oftentimes for many of our women. And sometimes it's too late because I read, as you mentioned, you, you work for the CDC. I was reading on the CDC website, um, you know, most people often think, oh, heart disease is a man disease or older person disease, mm -hmm. but that is, it is the number one killer of mm -hmm. women oh, yeah. in the United States. And when they even looked at um, non-Hispanic women or even non-Asian women, including, it's the second killer to cancer. So that's like basically all together is more like one in five women mm -hmm. are dying of this. And that's alarming. Mm -hmm. It's alarming. Um, I often think to people think that it doesn't um, affect younger people. Mm -hmm. And this is why, you know, one of my questions I ask, oh, well, how important is it that women even in their 20s and 30s should be worrying about um, hypertension and taking their blood pressure because in that age group, I think about back to when I was in college and a lot of women, you know, were having fun and, you know, we're, you're drinking, you're partying and things like that. And there's the stress of school and so many other stressors. So I'm I'll, I'll ask you this, how important is it for all age range at this point to take our heart health seriously. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think folks should be taking their heart health seriously. Um, there are women as young as 20 in their twenties who are dealing with high blood pressure as an issue and, you know, heart disease can be a function of many things, but hypertension is one of the number one causes of heart disease. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of folks, as you say, they think they're young, they think they don't have to worry about it. Um, and, but it's truly something that we need to pay attention to and lifestyle, the things that we do on an everyday basis are the things that would make our heart healthy. So are we moving? Are we getting up? Are we moving away from our computers and getting out for a walk? You know, are we able to manage our stress in a, in a way that is um, you know, is constructive, you know, are we drinking enough fluids, especially water? Are we staying hydrated? Are we eating the right things? Are we staying away from the high fat, the high sodium um, foods? And, you know, the things that we really love on a day-to-day -day basis, they are laden with, with salt. And yes. salt, as we know, and sodium is the number one culprit that raises folks' blood pressure. So I think as we age, no matter how uh, young we are, that we can do take small steps in our everyday life to make sure that we are, you know, protecting our heart health. And the beautiful thing about doing these things, you're not only protecting your heart health, but you're all you're also taking care of other diseases if yeah. they are, you know, hiding out or if they're there. So eating well can also help if you have diabetes, you know, mm -hmm. walking also help if you have, you know, arthritis and all these different things that would help if you only start living a healthy life and more uh, lifestyle um, and better lifestyle. Um, right. Right. So with all of that, that you just mentioned, um, because again, it's a lifestyle and you mentioned working, you know, of course you work with all women, but specifically women in these leadership skills or whatever at this point, you know, as a woman you're doing, whether you're in school or working or whatever it is, why do you think it's so difficult for women to maintain a healthy lifestyle or just basically remembering, oh, I need to take my blood pressure every single day. I need to check in on my heart. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think it's what's their like in your role? What's the most difficulty that they're having? 
You know, I, I think what I've heard from most women is that there's so many competing priorities in life. And women are, you know, nurturers and carers by nature. So we are so busy taking care of other people that the first thing that we um, neglect is our health. So if you're a mom and you have kids that you need to get up, get out the house, get breakfast for, if you have a husband that you need to, you know, make food for and he only likes certain things or the kids only like certain things, you tend not to cook two different meals. You just tend to eat what's available. Um, then we go on the job and we are so, um, we are so, um, motivated to excel that we work ourselves into a frenzy where we are consistently stressed. We don't take time off to take breaks. We don't eat healthily. We're either grabbing a lunch, which is usually unhealthy and go. We work for exuberant amount of hours. We are always in that go, go, go mentality. Um, and we, we're living in a culture that celebrates hurried and hurriness. We are living yeah. in a culture where everyone has to be busy. Because yeah. if you tell someone, oh, I had such a relaxing weekend, it was so wonderful, I did nothing, they would look at you as if you are crazy. But if you talk about all the stuff you did over the weekend and how busy you were, you didn't have any time for yourself, that's we're living in this glorified culture of busyness. Um, so I think women are so busy that they do not take the time. And when they do take the time, when they do take the time, they feel so guilty about stepping away from the role of a mother, a wife, a leader, because for some reason, society has programmed us to think that we have to be there. Otherwise, the world would fall apart. Right. So it's it's the it's the strenuous schedules and responsibilities um that's it sounds like that's what keep us you know from making the healthier choices mm -hmm. and i'm sure this is where you come in as their health coach of providing the education and i'm sure motivation um, mm -hmm. Because sometimes we do lack the motivation also. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm thinking more so if you're a woman, you know, that you're possibly struggling with mental health. And that's more so, I guess, on the social work perspective of, you know, mm -hmm. um, working with clients sometimes with mental health um, issues. And then we're educating them also about their health. And sometimes they just lack the motivation because of their mental health symptoms. Mm -hmm. So if they were to have a health coach like yourself, what is the role of the health coach and how do you provide education or just that motivation for them to create a healthy lifestyle? Yeah. So, um, you know, in the role of a health coach, the health coach is really the person in the passenger seat of the experience with the client. The client is truly the driver. What I've seen with most of the clients, but practically all of the clients who I see, is that they know what it is they want to do. They know what it is they need to do, and they know what it is they must do. When they come to seek coaching services, they're really looking for a person who will provide them a level of accountability, level of an accountability that they will follow through with the goals and the dreams or whatever aspirations that they have in their heart to live a healthier life. They need someone to provide that accountability someone to be their cheerleader, someone to motivate them, and just someone to be there along the way. When a woman comes to me who said, you know, I'm seeking health coaching because my blood pressure is high and I want to work through it. Usually I'll say, well, you know, did you speak to your doctor? Is there anything um, within your doctor visit that your doctor is asking you to focus on? And sometimes it would be, my doctor told me I need to stop being so stressed out about things. They're asking me that I need to lose weight. They're telling me that I need to be more physically active or I should watch what I eat. 
So we'll decide, okay, what do you want to focus on? And if that person said, okay, I want to focus on, you know, being more physically active. It's sitting down with that client and figuring out or charting out with them, what are their goals and objectives in reaching that particular? And if it's, okay, I want to do, I want to walk five days a week. Okay, how are you going to do it? What time are you going to wake up in the morning? How is that going to fit into your already busy schedule? So I think sometimes people are just looking for someone to be able to think through the process with them and sometimes to offer some tips and strategies that they may not even think about, um, you know, in the process of trying to get to their goal. Um, and, you know, I find a lot of time women are overwhelmed. You know, they might say, you know, I want to be more physically active or I want to eat healthier. So I ask them, well, do you plan your meals? No. Okay, so let's talk about how do you plan for the week ahead regarding your meals so that when you when it's time for you to eat, you're not overwhelmed and you're not just grabbing what's available. So as a coach, these are the things we provide. We never, um, you know, push people out of their comfort zone. We never tell people what they should do. We basically work with them in the goals that they already know that they want to meet and provide that accountability, that motivation, and that encouragement. Thank you um, for that. So it's more so the accountability. This is what I'm taking away from it. Mm -hmm. It's it's having that the health coach as your accountable person. Like, what I'm struggling. Hey, um, Vanessa, can you please help me? And you're holding them accountable. And I think in mo well, that's the motivation piece too, because you're like, oh, she's counting on me. Yes. Although it's person centered, because as I, I heard you say, you, it's kind of like the, the client is driving, mm-hmm. um, they're in the, the, the driver's seat basically. Yes. And you're, you're behind them just kind of pushing along and mm-hmm. encouraging them, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, is this program usually like, um, a year long, six months, two weeks, or th- is that more so determined by the client? Yeah. So it's the, it's determined by the client. I do have a, what I would call like a, a an experience or like a journey that I would take the client on. Mm-hmm. And for that particular um, experience, it's like an, a three month experience that I would take the client on. Mm-hmm. But some clients may just want a one time session or they might want just two or three, you know, so whatever amounts and then people just want to talk, just want to have a one one time session mm-hmm. and they move on. Uh, because they can implement for themselves. They just want some tips and tools that they may not have thought about. But sometimes people just want a real immersion and they want to have that three month long experience that we can connect. Right. Um, so I, I see two different types of clients. There are clients who are self-pay and they would come and they would pay um, for their services on a one-time basis, like every session. And then there are clients who um, are insured. So I am part of a, a, a group of other women who we offer coaching services for those individuals who are insured and their health insurance would pay for their health coaching. So they will come in on the, that. And I think um, in that case, a woman can get up to 20 coaching sessions per year under their health insurance plan. Um, and that usually gives the woman a you know a longer period of time to work through their goals and um, working with their provider who's also the referring person to make sure that um, once they come back to their to the doctor's office that they're actually seeing some changes in mm-hmm. their health. Um, relative to the coaching services that we provide. Okay. Oh, so that that's great because financially, I that, that was one of the questions I thought about was, oh, how does one afford a health coach? Um, but 
it's great that they have options. You can either mm -hmm. self-pay or your insurance covers this. I understand that you're located in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Would someone in New York perhaps, you know, be able to um, have your, you know, sign up for your services? Yeah. So right now, the folks who are insured, who are seeking services at VI Health and Wellness, could can only be from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Got but it individuals who are self-paying clients can can be served anywhere in the world by my practice okay um, yes yeah okay okay awesome so um i'm sure with you know the work that you've been doing you've had some many success stories from your clients what are, I guess, maybe one or two stories that, you know, you can think of that, you know, you can share with us that was, you know, a successful um, story? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think for me, what success looks like, it's when a woman will come and they will be going through their journey of, you know, dealing with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, oh, Vanessa, you know, I, I never take my blood pressure. I Every time I go to the doctor, the blood pressure is high. I can't understand why. And then a few months later, they're like, okay, I am tracking my blood pressure because what I neglected to say, I've created these blood pressure tracking logs. Oh, nice. um, and this is something that's provided to each person so that they can track their uh, blood pressure. So I think success for me would be a woman who is saying, I, I went from not tracking my blood pressure to going to the doctor and sharing with the doctor my blood pressure tracking log. And there is nothing more exciting for a provider to see that a client or a patient is really being an ambassador for their health and is able to, um, to provide them with this information. Right. Because um, the beauty about um, tracking your blood pressure is that you understand the trend and the triggers of the blood pressure. You understand, okay, my blood pressure is high this morning and what did I do yesterday or on the days when it's really controlled, what am I doing differently? So people can understand. So I think in, in, in general, for me, that would be the success story. And I've seen it so many times where women who are just oblivious to, you know, taking charge of their blood pressure and now on a daily basis, taking their blood pressure and writing it down. Right. That's awesome. I, um, I'm, I also, as you were speaking of that, I'm thinking of also just the education you're providing because although I noticed that the awareness is, you know, increasing, but really half of women, I think it was like a, a statistics um, number of 56%, which is not mm -hmm. a lot when you think of the awareness still of, oh, I have to take this seriously. I must educate myself on, you know, hypertension, heart disease. Um, so I, I love that piece. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're having the success moments because they're, they're being educated and mm -hmm. acknowledging like, oh, I need, I need the wake up call, you know, yes. and they're following through. So that is great. And also the providers as well, when you say they walk in with that booklet, um, now I'm thinking for myself, even though, yes, I don't have, I don't suffer from hypertension, but I guess it would be great to just keep a log anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to your next doctor's visit and say, hey, look what I have. Look what I have been doing, tracking mm -hmm. this. And mm -hmm. it gives them some insight of, OK, I am taking my health seriously. Or maybe there is something that I, the doctor will see. Hey, I need to, you know, send this patient for um, a heart test or mm -hmm. whatever it is that they need. Mm -hmm. um, or changes to their diet or self-care, um, yeah. which you should really stress. And it goes hand in hand with social work, you know, in terms of um, encouraging our clients or even ourselves as, you know, whether you're a social work student or you're a social worker right now, we sh we're stressing about self-care. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned whether it's taking a walk, 
um, you know, you know, exercising to whatever, I guess, capacity that person is able to, Mm -hmm. um, taking time for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that, that self-care is important. And I heard it as, yes, diet is important, but the self-care is most important to decrease the stress. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, self-care is so all-encompassing and it's different for one person than the other because for some people, self-care would be like, you know what? I'm going to prepare my lunch for the week mm-hmm. and I'm going to know exactly what I'll be eating for this week. And that's a measure of self-care. I'm taking care of myself or self-care for another person would be, you know what? I'm, on my lunch break, I'm going to take a walk. And I'm just going to chill and just don't worry about what's happening at work until I get back to my desk. You know, so there's so many levels of self-care for women that we can um, take advantage of that would also benefit our health as well. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Awesome. Um, So with the, um, I guess, do you have like a little motivating phrase or word that you use either for yourself or the clients so they can wake up and say, you know what, I can do this. Well, I always try to like bring it back to them. And my thing is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. Like you just really cannot be able to give to people what you don't have inside. So as much as you're doing so much for others, there's going to come a point that you are going to be depleted, that you actually cannot give. So the same thing that you are neglecting yourself to do, if you continue doing that, you would not be able to function. Yeah. 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 So I often say like, you cannot, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And as women, we have to realize that what we give to others has to be from the overflow and the overflow only comes when we are pouring into us and then we're able to give to others. Right. It's kind of like the, the, uh, the oxygen mask um, mm-hmm. scenario in yes. terms of when you're on a you flight. You got to put yours on first. First, yeah. And you then take you care. can help others. Definitely. Really. Definitely. And you know, because Heart disease and hypertension, high blood pressure is such a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of women, maybe they just don't know that they have it, but there are many women who know that they have hypertension. And because they don't feel anyway, they tend to just ignore it. Right. So I often say to folks, ignoring your blood pressure doesn't make it go away. So that's why you need to keep it front and center because there's a lot of folks who go like, well, I saw her yesterday and she was just fine. What do you mean she had a stroke? What do you mean she had a heart attack? You know, but if you consistently over time ignore your blood pressure, you know, eventually there's going to be a catastrophic moment that would make you want to stand up and listen. And then it might be too late So that's what I don't want for women is to be in the place where it's too late. Right. And, you know, just to let them know that there's small steps that they can take right now to improve and manage, you know, their heart health. Right. And, and I, you mentioned that's the small steps I'm thinking for, let's say um, the, the, the younger woman that's, you know, that's just like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. What are some small things? Um, because I know you mentioned the exercise, the, you know, decreasing your stress, but what are some small things that we can do just like as of today for, um, you know, just yeah. leading towards that path? Just a small step. It's just being aware of what you're yeah. eating. Check, be, yeah. be mindful of food labels. Mm-hmm. learn what is going into your body and especially like for sodium. So if you are 
thinking about, you know, how do I control my my salt intake? And sugar is another area that is another beast. But yeah. if you're thinking about how can I, you know, control my salt intake, you want to learn to read food labels. And that's one simple step. You go to the to the grocery store and you look at the back of the item. And if it has five milligrams or more of, if it has more than five milligrams of sodium, you may not want to purchase that. If you are watching your salt intake, because that's the guidance that will give to folks who are, you know, looking at their sodium intake because you eat so many other stuff. You could have a slice of pizza or you could have a slice of bread or you could have a piece of chicken or you could have so many other things that are loaded with salt that, you know, if you could avoid adding to that, that is one small step that you can take to help your heart health. As you're talking, I'm picturing that bag of chips, right? <laughs> we're thinking, yeah, we're thinking like, oh, you know what? It's just one bag of chips. And I'm like, no, that one bag of chips, really, you should probably just have maybe two or three of the chips out of that bag <laughs> it's true because i think a lot of time we don't look at the serving size yeah. so even it's one bag of chip that bag of chip may have two or three servings in that bag so if it says 100 calories on the front it means 100 times two or 100 times three so just been you know, making yourself aware of um, how to better read food labels. I mm -hmm. think that's one small step. And the other one that I'll add to that is, you know, hydration. Yeah. It's really um, drinking water. A lot of folks say all the time to me, I don't like the taste of water. I'm like, I well, water it. doesn't really have a taste, but, you know, but I, Another thing I offer is to teach people how to dress up the water so that they can still be able to have a substantial, um, you know, liquid intake and being hydrated is so key for not only someone who's hypertensive, but for health in general. Right. Oh, do you just mention something dressing up the water? What would you recommend in terms of? adding to your water for those that don't like the regular water taste? Yeah. So my first thing, if uh, the first thing is like put lemon in the water, if you put mm -hmm. lemon in the water, that okay. might give it a nice little touch. And I say, you want to get more fancy. Let's create our spa water for the day. So you can get your mason jars and fill them up with water for the day. And you could put a strawberry, a slice of lemon or a sprig of mint. And you can do different or slices of cucumbers, blueberries or whatever. And throughout the day, those fruits are just infusing into the water. So once you are having the water, you don't have that taste of just plain water. Right. You are having that taste of a you know very refreshing fruit infused water, and people are more likely to drink that. So right. I would you know I always suggest that as a start um, to um, to your to your um, water intake if you have issues with that. You know, in terms of like, well, I'm traveling, I'm doing, I'm working, I'm walking around all day, I don't, I can't. There are infusers that you can get that basically in the middle, you can put all the fruits in that in that middle part of the infuser and you pour your water in, you put it in there and it just infuses the water and you can walk around with that. So there are very creative ways that you can dress up the water. So yeah. it's tolerable. Mm -hmm. The key word was spa. I heard spa. I'm a spa yeah. person. So yeah. I said to myself, oh, if I can, you know, just you know, uh, compare that to at, being at a spa, I'll yes. have more water <laughs> for the day. So I hope those who are out there listening, just try to picture the spa when you're drinking yeah. your water and you infuse it with whatever flavor fruit you want, mm -hmm. um, just to increase your hydration because it's very, very important, like you said, in yeah. addition to your diet and the exercising. So that's all great. Um, advice. Um, and I'm, I'm 
telling you, I'm just going to be picturing these little points that you mentioned, yeah. just so yeah. to encourage me. Um, just starting small. That's what I heard. It's just mm -hmm. like starting small. It doesn't have starting to be small. this mm -hmm. big plan, but you have to start somewhere and it doesn't exactly. matter the age at this point, you know? Um, so my, my last question for you, unless you have anything else you would like to share with us, um, I, I'm thinking a more so like, because when I heard the role of a health coach, a lot of your, um, it sounds like your, your, your role and your beliefs, your kind of your code of ethics, I feel like, cause your main goal is to improve people's health and helping them live their best lives, which is goes hand in hand again with social work. You know, that's one of our core beliefs. And when you, when you speak of our core values in terms of working to improve, um, the well-being of everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to know in our roles of social workers, how can we collaborate with health coaches like yourself and other health coaches? Because we're, yeah. you know, we're helping clients mm -hmm. to improve themselves all over, you know, overall. Yeah. So I think that the way that a social worker could collaborate is, you know, really understanding who are the so who are the, the health coaches within their referring um, catchment area or however. Now we are living in a virtual world. So anyone can be that. Um, I know personally for me, if I have a client who's struggling with you know, you know, whether it's mental health issues or whatever they've expressed to me, I always want to function in my role as a coach and be able to refer them to services that is um, properly and um, ethically aligned with the services that they're seeking. So as a social worker, if you have someone who is clearly saying, you know, I'm struggling with my, you know, it's just like, I want to lose this weight or I, my blood pressure is too high and I really need some tips and strategies to work on it. If that's an area you feel as a social worker that you may not able, may not be able to address a health coach would be a perfect referral source for that client. And keeping in mind that you can both be of service to the client at the same time, but you're both looking or working on different areas or aspects of that particular client's lives. And I know that, you know, when folks start, um, you know, when they start excelling in certain areas of their life, it kind of trickles over to another area. So, if it's like, you know, they're saying, I'm overwhelmed, I can't do this, it's just too much coming at me at once. And you said, okay, what are you struggling with? And it's like, you know, I really want to eat well, referring them to a health coach might be able to break it down in such minute, minute steps that that will definitely, definitely alleviate the overwhelm that they might be might be experiencing. So that right. be able to function a little better in that area of their, you know, their food intake. And as a result, it may spill over into the other aspect of their life. So just being able to recognize what are the needs of the client mm -hmm. and be able to see where a health coach might be of help to you and um, how you guys can work together for the best of that client. All right. Thank you um, for that. Um, I'm sure you know, just having this discussion and awareness and for those who are, you know, working in the field of social work, this is a great referral um, that I don't think many of us probably have thought of. So this is absolutely great. And I'm also thinking more so too, um, for those social workers who work with children and families, because sadly children are being affected by, you know, so many health issues these days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, like right now, I currently work as a care manager where I work with children with health, um, you know, issues, mental health issues, things like that. But some I've seen where they're struggling with weight. Mm -hmm. So I thought about this would be a great um, way to um, refer some families to mm -hmm. a health coach because I'm sure health coaches not only work with adults, but they work with all age range. Um, so this is definitely um, 
a great um, resource, eye-opening for me as well, because I honestly, I wasn't thinking of, you know, referring families to a health coach and outside of the nutritionists or the doctors, which sometimes I think the, like, the medical settings sometimes are terrifying to um, families and people in general, but someone like yourself, whether they're meeting virtually or I can imagine maybe it's a more relaxed environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of that specifically for my, um, you know, youngsters (laughs) that are struggling with their health. And um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if you, you're in a household and everyone is eating the same, everyone is just couching out, everyone is just stressed out and yelling at each other. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're coaching the mom and the mom now is implementing some more healthier habits in the home, they're implementing a, a more um, structured environment, it does trickle down to the children and other folks who are living in the home. Mm-hmm. And if that particular parent decide to bring the, the children or the mate to the health coaching session to say how are we going to tackle this as a family right because no one want to start a, a healthy eating regime <laughs> um you know in a family without a discussion because everyone right. is going to be affected unless you decide you're going to cook separately for different people in the family and usually that's just not only costly but time consuming and an added stress and overwhelm right okay well, as we come to a close, um, I want to, you know, again, thank you, Vanessa Farrell, for joining me this morning and speaking on women's health, heart health specifically. Women, please get your heart health in check. <laughs> um, this is very serious um, when you look at, again, the, the statistics of one in five women having heart disease or basically dying of it. So please, mm-hmm. please take it seriously. Um, I wanted to, I like to, again, honor you for the amazing work that you're doing with these women and your clients. Um, I like to ask, you know, do you have any information you'd like to share with the public or should we just add your website um, for the public to follow? Yes, you can definitely add my website for the folks to follow, um, www.vihealthcoaching.com. I'd love to interact with folks, you know, get to know folks, answer questions that they might have. And just want to remind women to take care of their health, take care of your heart health, because, you, you know, your heart does so much work every day. Um, and we take it for granted, but it is like the powerhouse, the workhorse of our body. Um, you know, there's a statistic that that is really shocking, and 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 it is that every single minute of every single day, a woman dies as a result of heart disease, stroke, or other form of cardiovascular di- disease. That's a total of 1,440 women that die each and every day. Wow. That is just mind-boggling. Yeah. That is one too many, and we have to take charge. Right. Not Not only of our lives, but also that we are motivating our sisters, our moms, our girlfriends, and all the folks that we surround ourselves with in terms of heart disease and how important it is to take care of oneself. Right. Well, again, thank you for sharing your knowledge, your experience, your story, because it's one of a personal story and that's why you do this work. This work matters to you. Um, again, it's not just simply, oh, I'm educated in this. I, I like that when you mentioned that when we first started, um and i'm wishing you all the best um hopefully i do you have a book out there that we can you know we can one day grab because you just you're full of knowledge on this issue so hopefully one day <laughs> you know maybe well. attending a conference or something so this was great 
Well, I do have um, part of an anthology. It's called Lift, Launch, Lead. And in this book, I outline my journey to where I am today and my chapter within the anthology with um, 17 other women. It's around getting to the heart of the matter. And okay. getting to the heart of the matter talks about my experience moving to the Virgin Islands, the same story I give you up front and mm -hmm. how I experienced um, high blood pressure and how I decided to take charge of my life. Right. So it's all documented here. Okay. And I do have some other projects that's coming up on May 17th of this year is World Hypertension Day. Oh, and okay. I'll be going back to the island which I was born on, Montserrat, and we'll be having two weeks of education around heart health, around hypertension. I did a donation drive a few, um, uh, about a year or two ago, I started a drive. And the goal of the drive was to get blood pressure monitors in the hands of individuals on Montserrat who were not able to afford them. We're able to purchase 50 blood pressure cuffs. They were received. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be doing education to individuals who are hypertensive. And we also will be paying special attention to teachers on the island who are in very stressful situation. And usually they don't get the time to get this level of education. So mm. that's coming up in May. I'm excited about it. And nice. I'm grateful to be a part of that. Okay. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that. Um, so definitely we'll be sharing your website. Um, I even made a, a note of the book, Lift, Launch, Lead. So people out there could um, continue to follow and support and read your, um, you know, the information you have out there. Thank you again, Vanessa Farrell. Um, thank you for those who are listening to our podcast, the Social Action Briefing Podcast. And we hope to talk to you next time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.